Hello, and you're in the call room. Uh, it's your one of your hosts, David, here today, and joining me in the call room to interview our friend Matt Bradshaw is Travis Bristow. Travis, I thought we'd have a quick chat before Matt came and joined us. It'll be interesting to see in this world of Zoom when he magically pops up. How you going, David? I'm good, mate. That's What's like? going on in your world? It's uh, yeah, things are going pretty good. Of course, we're doing this via Zoom as we've done the last couple and uh yeah it's the new world order we're almost beginning to understand how it all works although i'm almost giving myself epilepsy just through the weird screensaver or something that i have backgrounded behind me today so currently you look like you're some sort of um like demon type person out of a weird tv show your eyes are glistering on the camera i normally don't look like that until after 10 p.m so given that it's Half past three in the afternoon. That's quite an achievement. Someone had a discussion with me about about uh, drinking habits the other day and what time it was a suitable time to be opening your first can of beer or bottle of wine. Um, I think we determined that there is no suitable time. It's just whenever you feel like it. Time has no meaning anymore. Time has no meaning unless you're engaged in homeschooling. I, I might yeah. just, you know, pull some sense of, you know, sensibility into the. You could still be drinking wine while you're homeschool, though. I could be. I, given that homeschooling starts at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, I, I choose not to. Probably a bit much. I was talking <laughs> to someone the other day that said that his his sleeping habits have changed. He's been getting out of bed at eleven thirty each morning, and therefore it's okay to go to the fridge and grab a beer. Uh, yeah, so I think that's yeah. I'm experiencing the opposite thing in terms of not living pub life anymore. That you know I can actually you know go to bed at a reasonable hour and wake up at a reasonable hour. You know. I can Which go is, and get coffee in the morning when normal people go and get coffee. I can't remember the last time I purchased a takeaway coffee. Is that right? Like, cause, because we're just all at home, I'm mm. going through the Nespresso pod range of, and normally I'd buy... I was going to ask you what you've been drinking. I didn't think it was going to be Nespresso pods, but what's your favourite Nespresso pod? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure I actually have a favourite Nespresso pod. I find that I'm going through them quicker than I normally would do. Yeah, I tend to, you know, I know which colours of Nespresso pot I like, but I couldn't tell you the name of it. That's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we just get a, gave a shout out to Nespresso. Look at that. That's quite nice <laughs> for, for a podcast called The Cool Room. I, I did have a very, you know, one of those sobering moments where you realise you're out of touch with the kids when I went to buy Nespresso in the shop a few, it's probably a couple of months ago now, walked in and picked up some of the pods and took them over and put them into the little self-checking out machine. And yep. a lady came over and, you know, politely said, well, you need to put them in the bag, sir, before they put, yes. before you, so I put them in the bag and put it in and then didn't have my Nespresso valued human beings card to make that work. And it was just, David was old and didn't understand how the world works anymore. It's a bit of a weird system, but all those systems are kind of weird now. I went and paid for fuel today and just walked into the BP after filling up and, they had just a regular touchscreen kiosk thing set up and you just tap your card and away you go. Like you choose your pump, comes up on the screen, you tap your card, you walk out. Didn't talk to a single person. And this, is, this isn't designed to get us around COVID-19 or anything, is it? It's just the just reality the of how the modern world works. The way the world's going. Um, so in relation to getting off the coffee train, what yeah. else have you been drinking in relation to non-caffeinated beverages? Uh, well, a few bits and pieces. I went down and visited our friends down at Bonehead Brewing the other day and picked up a couple of 
uh, beers from them. So I've been enjoying their Cranberry Goza and um, tried to get in their ears about coming on the show soon. So hopefully we'll see them come back. Marvelous. Yeah, that's a great idea. And um, in terms of supporting sponsors and friends of the show, it was my wife's birthday the other day. I was going to say which age, but I might just let that slide. Leave that one alone. Good um, idea. We uh, we did one of the uh, wine sessions with Ben Knight from Ben and Wine and uh, with a few friends and it was a lot of fun and um, got to drink a lot of wine and particularly wines that I wouldn't have picked had I just wandered into a bottle shop or winery by myself. So some aged Rieslings and a few other bits and pieces that someone like he was able to source that, you know, normal punters don't get their hands on. Uh, see, that's that's always a good way to play it. And were they just delivered to your door? or? Yeah, absolutely. It was exactly what Ben was saying on his website. You know, you pay your money and they, and in this case, he brought them around. So, Marvellous. Um, chilled, yep. ready to go. And um, it looked, for Jen's birthday, it was just a bit of a way of having an event and some friends around rather than just doing a Zoom thing where, you know, you all sing happy birthday and then stare at your shoe. This sort of meant we got to spend a couple of hours together and, you know, we learned a bit about wine, but it wasn't like a university lecture or anything like that. It was far more about enjoying the wines in front of us. That's always a good thing. I've got a, uh, I've got a friend who's just about to start something up himself uh, yeah. with another mate of his. Um, they've got their first event on Saturday night and they're looking at doing something similar to what Ben does. Um, mm and make it a bit of a subscription thing where they would deliver you certain bottles of wine. However, often they run the events um, and then do like a bit of a tasting masterclass um, across the course of the night, which is uh, an interesting way of doing things. And I feel like that's... How do you find, how do you find them? Uh, the Until website address is www.tasteclub.com.au which is correct. I had to think. <laughs> I, I, I'm not looking because we're doing this via Zoom and I'm looking at your camera feed. I've got nothing else going on on my computer screen at the moment. So no, I understand. No windows open. Um, of course, they're just sort of starting it out and seeing how it sort of takes off and what they can come up with and that sort of thing. So um, maybe uh, we'll put that link into the description of the podcast. We can do that. We can throw the link for Ben's one. Yeah, throw them all in there. For that one. And while we're sort of shamelessly plugging things, we're actually doing one on behalf of the podcast as well, where next Thursday, which is the 30th of April uh, 2020, at 8pm, we're going to have Joel from Venom Beers, uh, who was a previous guest of the podcast. He's going to come back on and talk us through what's been happening with him, how he's dealing with the coronavirus lockdown, but also through five of his beers. And if people are keen, you can get a slab of his beers delivered to your house, provided you live reasonably close to inner Melbourne, uh, for 85 bucks. That's 24 cans and includes four cans of the limited edition uh, venom, venomous catfish and four cans of the hazy double golden. So for 85 bucks, that's pretty fantastic value. That's a good deal, yeah. So um, I've got no idea whether anyone's going to take us up on it or not. I haven't actually sort of figured out, you know, what happens if more than five people want a slab, but um, I'm interested to see. So and yeah, that, well, yeah, uh, that what works was, well, we'll try a few other things. What was the date on that? Was that 
uh, Thursday, the 30th of uh, April. Nice. So for those people who've been getting on to our normal Thursday night virtual front bars, effectively this will tack on to the end of that. So um, yeah, perfect. We'll catch up and have a yarn in the virtual front bar and then those who want can hang around and essentially watch us record a podcast via Zoom. But there'll be some time for some Q&A at the end of end of the formal podcast to um for everyone to ask questions if they want, just like a, a meet the brewers kind of thing would work, you know, normally. Perfect. I feel like I'm about to crack open a beer too. I just I've got two beers sitting here. I don't know which one to crack open first, so. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't you press pause on your bits and pieces and I can walk down to my fridge. You do that and then hopefully Matt will be in the flesh with us. And now a word from our sponsors. This week's episode of The Cool Room is brought to you by the online wine courses at benandwine.com. With over 20 years experience in the wine industry and over a decade of running beginners wine courses in real life, Ben Knight is now offering them on your desktop via Zoom or Skype. Whether it's a birthday party, drinks with friends, or even a thank you to staff and colleagues for another week in lockdown, this is a great way to treat someone. There are four course levels, the cheapest of which is just $28 per login, and there's options where Ben will get the wine delivered to you and all the other participants, so all you need to do is open the bottle and then let Ben open your mind. There's a whole range of great wines on Ben's list from Australia and around the world, and if you're into only red wine or only white wine, then Ben can make that work too. I've known Ben for years, been to many of his tastings, in fact he used to run them at Mr Griffith's in Kensington, and that's why I'm so happy to endorse his events. To find out more, just go to benandwine.com. That's all one word, benandwine.com. Me and my friend are walking to a bar on a cool winter's evening underneath the stars. As is the wonders of Zoom, we now have someone who looks dangerous. I was going to say originally like an Ewok, but maybe a bit looking a bit more like a Jedi Master. Just where you know, well, oh, was, that's disappointing. I was going for Unabomber, but that's fine. <laughs> you need to change your background if you want to do the Unabomber. I think that's true. I need to be in a in a little dark shed somewhere, or in a car park, or a. The, the voice, as predicted, when we met, when we were just doing our introduction, is. Matt Bradshaw joining us from the wilds of Frankston today, Matt. Uh, yes, the, the wilds of Frankston. How dare you? I, was, I didn't mean it in a pejorative sense. Yeah, the depths well. of Frankston. Oh, see, none of these words are good. What, how would you describe the view at your window then? Do you um, actually have windows in your Unabomber style show? <laughs> uh, Why he's got a virtual background on. Do you know, it's funny. The, the views out the window are quite um, spectacular at the moment because the... Uh, the, the gentleman who mows my lawns um, every so often, say every three weeks, uh, offered to come around and mow them on Monday. And I said, mate, don't even worry about it. It's fine. And he said, no, you've been such a loyal customer. I'm going to come around and mow them for free. So it's uh, beautiful outside. I was going to say maybe it really was the wilds if it hadn't been mowed. No, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, there are occasions where my front yard has looked like it indeed lives in Frankston, but... <laughs> Just mine. All it needs is a car on blocks in the front yard, and you'd be hard pressed to pick where I am from, you know, 
any other part of Frankston or Broadmeadows or let's I'm going to alienate everyone now. Um, where's some other suburbs that people don't want to live? <laughs> well, clearly you do want to live in Frankston. I love, I've been here for 14 years now and I love it. Yeah, so perfect. Mm. Now, I am now racking my brain on other suburbs though that who would I just want to retain well, some. It's best let's retain know. some listenership for the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I feel once like over the years we've done our best to alienate a lot of people. Once upon a time, we would have said Footscray. Times have changed. Or Some Kensington, change. for that matter. Or Kensington. Kensington was, I can remember visiting Kensington in the 1970s when the, you know, the stockyards and the abattoirs and the meatworks were still there. It was probably the cheapest, nastiest suburb in Melbourne. Wow. Like, like without a doubt. Houses cost you 15, 17 grand. Unbelievable. Anyway, we're not here for David's housing market discussion. We're here to talk to Matt Bradshaw. And Matt, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners who may never have heard you or you know, before? What brings you to our, to our doorsteps today? How do we know each other? And All what right. does it you do with your days? Well, David and I met, uh, we met at the Duda Gala, didn't we, David? Yes, I think so. So the Duda Gala Hotel in Flemington, which has been there since hmm, 18... 90? Yes, I think they had the 150th this year. So is, that, that, is that a sesquicentennial? Yeah, it is a sesquicentenary. Yeah. There you go. Look at me. <laughs> um, Talk about ways to alienate the uh, listenership in Frankston. <laughs> Shut your face! <laughs> uh, so I have been playing guitar and singing uh, at the Dudagala in Flemington for... Well... The, the, the time frame actually varies depending on um, on how the manager feels um, at any <laughs> given point in time. So I had an idea that I'd been playing there for about five years. Um, I had a conversation with him maybe a month ago and he said, well, you know, we've got to look after you. You've been playing here for eight years now. Ah, oh, eight years has it been. And then on March the 22nd, which was the very last day of live gigs in uh, Melbourne and indeed mm. around Australia, um, he hung around for my arrival so he could say, you know, sorry, but yes, this is obviously the way it's going to go and venues are all closed and all that sort of thing. And he said he, he just wanted to make sure I was going to be okay. You're going to be okay financially. Have you got enough food? Because, you know, we've got a lot of food in the in the kitchen here. We can take care of you. Because, you know, you've been playing here for 13 years now. So, oh, <laughs> have I? Okay. And is that the number you think is correct? I have or? absolutely no idea anymore. What I do remember is that when, in the previous conversation where he'd said, you've been playing here for eight years, I said, you remember, you did sack me and I didn't play here for 18 months. Are you counting that in the... <laughs> <laughs> so, was that due to an incident or just you... Oh, you know, no, that's... Up on blocks? No, no, that's a, lo <laughs> that's a long, boring story involving strange political intrigue and in a security company uh, who didn't particularly... Um... Oh, it's dumb. It's a dumb story and absolutely nothing to do with me whatsoever. So all I know is that, uh, thanks, you've been great, but we won't be needing you anymore. We're going to get this other act in. It was one of those. It's fine. Um, so that was where me. That was where you and I met. Yes. So you do a few hours, you know, the dude and... You uh, used to indulge my son and various other kids by, you know, playing their requests instead of their parents' requests on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's it's become, um, well, even so in the current climate we're now in, and me as a, as a professional musician, <laughs> professional in inverted commas, 
and only in the sense that I get paid for what I do. So I guess that's the definition of professional, even if it <laughs> doesn't mean I know what a scale is. Um, uh, now that I'm doing live stream gigs from uh, almost the space that you're looking at behind me, um, I it's it's become a regular contribution from the people who chime in that um, if you're a if you're a child or, or an animal because sometimes people <laughs> request from their animals you're far more likely to get your request played. There you uh, go. Having said that, I I did get a message from David today um, asking why I wouldn't play the Snappy Tom song for his son um, and how upset he was about that. So. I just included that in the run sheet to see if you read your way through it. It's mm -hmm. my... It's like the brown M&Ms. Yeah, it's oh, exactly yeah. right. Okay. Now, let's... But before we get further into the interview, why don't you run us through not just your social media tags and so forth, but particularly for the virtual gigs where people can find you so that um, they can they can listen along in, in these times. That's very kind of you. Um, so, I have... Facebook is this weird thing where you have your Facebook profile, but then you have a business page. Um, for whatever reason, when I first set up, set that up, set those up years ago, um, I called them both the same thing. They're both my name, which can make me a little bit difficult to find sometimes. It can. That's why I thought I'd let you do uh, this bit. Yeah, it's not. It's not ideal. Um, <clears throat> uh, so Matt Bradshaw is my name. Um, Generally, so I get a lot of tourists coming through the venues I used to work at. Um, generally, if they would ask me how they would find me and I would say just type my name into Facebook, I'm often the first one or two that comes up. So that's something. Um, mm. The page that you would find me at where I'm doing my live stream gigs is an MB logo on a white background. It's a blue logo on a white background. So that kind it's of not Norris Blackburn lawyers, just for it, those. It is. <laughs> no. Uh, and never darken my door again. Um, <laughs> they said to me the last time I was there. Uh, but at Matty B Bradshaw, uh, if you type that into Facebook, that's generally how you find In fact, if, I think if you type it into Google, that's how you find me as well. So, but mattbradshaw.com, just those sorts of things, and you'll find me somewhere. Or just go to David's page and follow the links from there because, you know. And we will include all Probably of these. Probably not true. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we'll certainly include all of these things in our um, in our description of the podcast episode. And Excellent. I think we've actually linked to a couple of the other live gigs. So, in a second, I'll get Travis to take us through our traditional cool room questions. But to to sort of misquote one of your band favourite bands, sort of calling cards. You know, you the hardest the hardest working man in music in in uh, Melbourne. What would a normal gig week have looked like for you a, a few weeks ago? Because I can never get over just how many places you play and you know, take people through what, what regular work looked like for you a few weeks ago. I would generally work... Um, uh, I, would, I was trying to do a four-night week and a six-night week in rotation. Um, the four-night week would usually become a five-night week because I would pick up a gig on a Wednesday night. So that would usually be... Tuesday to Sunday and Wednesday to Sunday every week, usually with two on Friday, two on Saturday, and sometimes two on Sunday. So I would do anything between six to nine gigs a week every week and have done for years, years. Yeah. Um, and it was funny. I, I, I was, it was a couple of years ago now that 
Dom, my Dom Italiano, my best mate. Because um, I don't, I don't tend to quantify um, how much work I do. Like I just, I just do it. Like it's put in front of me, and people ask me to do something, and I generally say yes. And I'm, I'm at a stage in my career now with doing the gigs I'm doing in Melbourne that I also, the people who offer me gigs, I don't ever have to say how much does it pay because I've kind of gotten to a stage where anyone's going to offer me a gig knows that they've made it worth my while just by asking. Yeah, I can remember so, when you played in the front bar of the Royal Mail having to back up the Armaguard truck at the front to get your your wage. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the other, the other terrible part of just not running a business particularly well is I hate talking about money. So quite often, I, I'd never be the first one to ask, <laughs> go and put this out in the world, Matt. Um, I'd never be the one to ask how much does it pay because it just makes, I don't know, I, maybe coming from the perspective of actually wanting, even if I'm playing other people's songs for money, still coming from the perspective of being uh, an artist without trying to, you know, over state what it is that I think I have to offer. Um, I just, I don't want the mercenary side to get in the way of um, singing Jesse's Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and fair enough too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 that's, I guess that's where it sits. So. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So yeah, so that's that's the working week generally. I was I was very busy. Oh, that's right. That's that was the tangent, wasn't it? I was talking to Dom a couple of years ago, and he said to me, "You know, you and I, Matt, are the, we are the busiest musos in Melbourne." And I hadn't because I don't because I've tried to learn over the years to never compare myself to other people because I think in that way danger lies. Um, just because I think comparisons very quickly become um, competition and and I think there's probably enough of that in enough frames of reference in all of our lives um, but certainly in fields of endeavour and in business and all that sort of thing so uh, the easiest thing that and the most comfortable thing for me and the most kind of um, uh, holistically enjoyable thing for me as far as what I do is to just do my gigs have a couple of beers talk to the people I want to talk to and then just go home again. And I don't have to worry about any of the other bullshit. So consequently, I don't know how many gigs other people are doing. I fit to me rightfully assume that everyone's doing the amount of work I am. So it was, it was that conversation it was like, no, 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 no. This, this is why other musos bitch and moan because they're not working as much as you. <laughs> so, okay, well, that's sorry. And that's part of the reason then why I started Space Between Notes, the agency that I run, because I was aware of all these other really good musicians who were just terrible at marketing themselves and don't um, don't necessarily, and they don't all fall within that category, of course, but some of them um, don't speak well to managers and, uh, you know, like just, there's a whole, there's a, it's a it's a multi-pronged thing to be self-employed as a musician it's a it's um it's a multi-pronged discipline i suppose and um i found that certainly the number of venues who were coming to me saying can you do a gig no i can't can you suggest someone it's like well this seems like a pretty obvious fit so um so that's been nice like that's been really good the, the downside of that of course was you know a month ago having to 
ring and email everyone and say, so sorry guys, the hammer's fallen and it's all done. But here's a handy dandy list of things you can do that might make it easier for you to get through the next unforeseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I know quite a few people that have been in that boat. So should we move on to the traditional core room questions? I reckon. That we ask all the guests. Um, and I'll, I'll take this one from off your hands today, David, and you can sit back and enjoy your can of beer. Oh, do that. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) So Matt, you and I have met and the only time we've actually met face to face is actually in a pub while we've been drinking beer and you've been performing. And I feel like maybe on that day, I requested some pretty unusual songs that got me almost thrown out of the pub. (laughs) Ah, I, think out you finished, I think you finished on a John Farnham song and um, there are a couple of regulars in the pub that almost lynched me. <laughs> what John Farnham song did you request? I feel like maybe it was Your Voice and I think you, I think you pulled it off nicely. Oh, but, you're lucky uh, to get that out of him because there's times that he refuses that one. Is that? Are there really times I refuse things? Did like? you refuse <laughs> like last Thursday night or something? Uh, okay, well... <clears throat> last Thursday night at the or Saturday live, night, one of the, the live well, whatever it was, the the live stream gig. I, um, I certainly I didn't do it, so I guess on the one hand that is a refusal, but <laughs> I also um tried you... to explain that uh certainly you're the voice is one of those songs that for a solo performer works well in the context of a room full of people who have had a fun afternoon and they're all drinking and everything's lovely. It's very, it's a very different experience um, to do it in a solitary environment, but also it's different for the, for the person who's watching it. I mean, maybe they're singing along, but it's still, it's not the same experience as having 50 other people around you all arm in arm and half cut all singing along with varying degrees of success. Like it's, it's a different animal. So that was, that was that. So it wasn't an so out-and-out refusal. So we, we took a bit of a tangent there. So in relation to the drinking side of things... Yes. Uh, do you remember the first time that you had a drink and where it was? My parents were of that um, school of thought that it was when it, when I got to maybe... Gee, I don't know. I, I went back to live with my parents when I was 13, maybe. And... Uh, I think at that stage I was having like, uh, you know, not a glass of wine with dinner, but wine with dinner. Um, <laughs> so what, what does that mean? Not a glass of wine, a bottle. I was having a bottle of wine yeah. at dinner with my parents. You were having a flagon of wine flagon. at dinner. <laughs> Ridiculous conversation. Flagon of claret. Uh, <laughs> um, so it was always that, but I was never, I was never really a big drinker. I didn't, and in fact, I didn't drink... I didn't drink beer. My, my dad was always a big beer drinker. I might come back to him because he brews his own beer now. He's a micro mm. micro brewer, an award winning micro micro brewer. I don't know if micro micro is a is a is a demographic or a, or, a, or a category, but anyway, that's I'm what fascinated he is. to see how you define it. Okay, good. Well, um, he brews for himself in his back room, <laughs> and then he puts he he enters it in the South Australian beer competition and the Australia wide one. Yeah, he's, he's oh, got perfect. pedal pedals. Oh, that's what I have. 
Um, yeah, medals and trophies and sashes and, and beer paddles and all sorts of stuff. So he's been quite successful. Um, <clears throat> but no, I didn't drink until I went overseas um, on tour for the first time. And that was where I kind of really got my drinking pants on. Uh, wow. So, you, uh, so that kind of brings us into another question then. Um, do you have sort of favorite places, whether they're bars in Melbourne or bars overseas that you like to drink at or even play at it for that reason? Yeah, look, I generally, my, because I work so much, <laughs> I'm going to talk about it as if it's still in the present tense. Because I work so much, um, I don't tend to go out socially a great deal. If I'm doing eight gigs a week, I'm already in those environments all the time. So <clears throat> I, um, and I also don't like to be assaulted by lots of noise. So if I'm going to go uh, out for a drink, I'll choose somewhere really quiet and, um, and just kind of chill. So what, what's the, um, what's the, the craft brewery in uh, in Footscray, is it Footscray? Moon Dog, is that is that out that well, way? Hop Nation over there. Hop Nation. Hop Nation. So I've been there a couple of times. That's super fun. Like it's just and there, and the last time I went there, there was a just a solo guitarist playing over in the corner. He was really cool. Um, that sort of stuff is is where I would choose to go and drink. As far as bars overseas, God, I, I don't know. I've I've drunk in so many kind of cool ass like, you know, the top floor at the Peninsula Hotel in, in Hong Kong. And, you know, we yeah, go and lay a few of those on us. Go on. Yeah, go on. to show off. No, no. Well, I mean, it's it's because, I mean, those sorts of places are just all about the, the travel experience as well as as well as well just the, the drinking. I mean, I've, I've, I've been <clears throat> in Vietnam. I, I, you know, drank in little tiny, tiny hole-in-the-wall places that were equally as much fun, but polar opposites kind of thing. Oh, I know. I was in Moscow last year and I, uh, my first, so I arrived in Moscow at like seven o'clock at night. I went and got to the hotel and I, I, I went out for a walk and I got my bearings and all that sort of thing. The next day I set myself to the task of actually, well, I'm only here for five days. I'm going to go and see as much as I can. And I went to a, <clears throat> a little tiny, tiny little, um, uh, coffee place. And it was only myself and the barista there. And I watched this guy just take the most impeccable care over the coffee he made for me. But then, the, you know, the next person who came in, like, just uh, the attention to detail was something I've never witnessed before. God damn, I nearly swore. Are we allowed to swear? You're, you're allowed to yeah, swear. You Fuck swear. me, it I... took a long time to get my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was well worth waiting for. While I was sitting there, uh, a nice house song started playing over the, the radio. And um, we'd already spoken about uh, where I was from and all that sort of thing. And he spoke pretty pretty good English, certainly a lot better than my Russian. <laughs> and I said, oh, this band's from Australia. So when we started talking about that, I ended up being there for about three hours. And he was bringing me different coffees to try and all this sort of stuff. Invited me that night to a friend of his birthday party. We went to this other um, Bari cafe kind of thing. And then from there, we met two others of his mates. And that was where it all kicked off Moscow style. 
and just like down this dark alley and turn right here and then down this set of stairs like wild those kinds of experiences are really really super cool and i that's that's what i love about um it's what i love about drinking so when i was out with these guys uh they um i i, I feel like i want to um explain it in a in a communist kind of way they would get our beer and share it between three glasses like a stubby and share it mm. between three glasses um because in that way everyone got to try everything that's really cool i mean yeah. it meant that a, 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 you know you got a glass of beer like this yep that was good now what are we doing but really great and that like those are the because i don't i don't drink and get drunk and fall over like that's not the enjoyable part of it for me i i the social aspect of being able to do those things um is what i really really enjoy and that is what i kind of get out of traveling as well and then i meet people and 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 of course it's a social lubricant and so everything kind of frees up and then you get to have conversations that you don't get to have with you just don't get to have everyday conversations you get you get yeah, out exactly, of the ordinary yeah. conversations yeah were they, so do you were they a... Russian beers you were having or were they beers from around the world? Uh, uh, definitely both. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And there was a lot of... Um, uh, it was really interesting talking to these guys because they were sort of early, mid-20s. They were well-educated um, and also like politically interested, but clearly because of their environment mm. um politically really naive about what their country was actually like so but aware that where they were living um wasn't necessarily where they wanted to be politically certainly wasn't mm -hmm. where they wanted to be i mean while i was in moscow it was there was a there was a huge demonstration while i was in moscow um and it was two weeks after the ones that we'd actually read about here where you know 800 people were arrested and there were people getting beaten up in the streets by the militia like it was full on so i was just wandering about going to galleries which is what i do when i travel by myself and you know it's like one or two o'clock in the afternoon and i all of a sudden there's like police with full riot gear just um beginning to pour out of of massive military vehicles and i messaged my buddy and said what what's uh, what's going on <laughs> and he sent me a map of the route that the protesters were taking so it was there are sanctioned protests that happen in russia and there are unsanctioned one this was an unsanctioned one and i you know i joined in i want to know what's going on <laughs> um and i'm smiling and it's actually not it's not actually anything to smile about at all but i'm smiling at my own fucking naivety that i would deliberately um put myself in that situation that i had nothing to do with but was just there as a I was there as a tourist, like I'm just checking out what's going on and trying to keep my wits about me. But he's like, yeah. he's messaging me saying, are you okay? Just be safe. It's like, oh, okay, it's all right. Hey, no one's getting beaten up yet. So yeah. anyway, Jesus. Your phone will always be on some, you know, one of Putin's, you know, tapping lists for that reason right now. Dude, 100%, 100%. Next time you fly to Moscow, you're going to get taken to a little room and well, he and I use a different method of, of contacting each other than I do with anyone else in the world. Semaphore? 
very, very long poles on those plays. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but venues here in Melbourne, like, a, they are all about where I like playing. They're not really that much about where I like drinking because I don't really go out drinking that much. Because otherwise, so just, I have to. So shout on that, what what favourite venues do you have where you like to play? Whether that's in Melbourne or overseas, do you have? You know, a top venue in Melbourne or a top venue overseas that you like to play at? I really, I mean, I do, where David and I met, the Duda Gala in Flemington, I really do love that place. Um, I love playing there. Like the, it's just got a, um, well, I mean, it, it's a Sunday afternoon and that's that's a big part of it. So parents do bring their kids in and it's, it is a safe environment for them to be in. And I, and I, I love those interactions and I, and I love just the chilled kind of, Sunday recovery nature or last day before we go back to work kind of thing. It would finish at 7.30 at night. So it was, you know, fine on a school night. And just a really, it's a really comfortable venue to work in. And yes, I have been there a long time, but there's a lot of venues I've played in for a long time. Um, the thing I enjoy about some of those, uh, it's not really about the venue. It's about the people who come. So, and, and that's probably true for anything. I mean, yeah. you know, a, a building is just a building. And, and yes, you get a, uh, a certain level of, often you get a certain kind of just, like you walk into a space, it's like, ah, this is okay. Or conversely, like you're kind of edgy and you're not necessarily even able to quantify why that is. But generally the, the, the gigs I like doing are because of the... the the people who come along so and the dude the dude has always been one of those places that just it's just fun chilled relaxed everyone's lovely and everyone's there for the same reason so there's never there's no angst there's no it, it's um i think it's in, i think as humans we um you know if it's a if it's a footy team we follow or like whatever it is, we kind of, we seek to be tribal. And I think when you walk into an environment where uh, even if you're an outsider, you don't feel like you are when you come in. The Duda Gala is that for me. I see people who I've never seen before walk in and they're just immediately, ah, okay, this is cool. Yeah. That's what I love. Perfect. Hmm. That's, yeah. It's good, good when you find those places that are like that and you probably keep going back and doing gigs there because it's so comfortable and it's so familiar and it's just a good vibe and a good 100%. crowd. And yeah, no, great. So norm normally we'd ask the question, um, what's the strangest or funniest thing you've ever seen in a cool room? But I feel like given you're probably focusing more on the gigging side of things rather than hanging out the back in a cool room, it might need to be something that you've seen backstage at a venue or even just what's the funniest or strangest thing you've seen in a pub or bar while you're playing a gig. Um, there is a, <laughs> there's a bar at, at Crown Casino called Jackpot. I, I don't know if... I don't That's know not if the most imaginative of... Answers? Not the most imaginative of names, no. No, of <laughs> names? No, certainly not. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought when you said there's a bar at Crown, I thought you were going to say somewhere different at Crown rather than Jackpot. But now I'm interested to know what this story is. Because Jackpot is just a people-watching bar. It, it's, I mean, it's right off the gaming floor, and it's right off the gaming floor, which is right off the food court, which is right off the front end or the, the, the side entrance off the river. 
and um, it's like there's no rules. <laughs> uh, it's it's mad, and the sound is awful in there because it's uh, completely dictated and hamstrung by the, the gaming areas that are all around. You know, so we can't be too loud, and it's all. Uh, we're not allowed to have any monitoring. We are allowed to have in-ear monitoring, which I've got here today. But that's a... It's a it's an alien kind of thing. Like, you're not getting you're not getting the vibe of the room. I mean, you can see them being idiots, but you can't hear them being idiots. And I like that. Um, yeah, just mad dancing and, and lunatic behaviour. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a kind of an ephemeral sort of answer in the sense that this is a nuts so place that I play all the time. Um, I don't know. Jeez, there's probably countless nutty stories, particularly with touring and all that sort of stuff. I I was doing um one of the live streams a couple of weeks ago, and an American guy who I met when I was working in Shanghai sent me a message to say, "Did you ever fall off the rail?" Which, with no context at all, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And I saw it kind of pop up in the feed, but I didn't have time to reference it. And the next day I, I sent him a message and said, ah, what, what? He said, remember the venue in Shanghai you used to play at? Um, there was a there was the lower level that you played on, and then there was an, an upper level. And the upper level was um, open to the ground floor, so you could see the stage from the upper level. And it was maybe, it wasn't that high, it was maybe 12 or, 12 or 14 feet up. Um, and of course there was a banister and I climbed up the stairs and walked around to the banister and then jumped over the banister and was singing, like holding on with one hand, I'm not a lunatic, um, with a wireless <laughs> mic and singing over the, you know, I mean, because I'm paid to entertain people, but boy, did I get raked over the coals for that by the manager. <laughs> and even in China, there was Lanchiness apparently, which... Which is quite amazing for a place like it's, Shanghai, because what I've really always seen amazing. in Shanghai, there is no OHNS. It's just a free-for-all. Correct. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but I don't know. Just silly gig stories. I mean, you know, I've, I've had times in bands where stuff has hap happened on stage, um, which ha has been so funny to me and to the people in the band that you, you doubled over laughing and unable to sing or play, you know, which um, it's, it, I guess it's funny to a degree to an audience, but because, <laughs> you know, ah, oh, these guys are really enjoying themselves. I got no idea what the fuck they're laughing about. But, uh, so. I used to play in a band, um, a, a cover band out in the Barossa Valley uh, called the Beaver, the Beaver Hunters. <laughs> Um, our, our logo was a beaver with a shotgun. So he was a beaver hunter. Hunter, right, yeah. yeah. All right, oh, don't okay. overthink yeah. it. Super logical. Uh, yeah, good. Um, and uh, we used to... So we're, we're, like we were a band. We had electric instruments. We used to have beer and water fights on stage. <laughs> throwing jugs of water at each other from across the... I mean, we also used to dress in overalls and, and have bare feet. Like, you know, it was it was a B&S type band. Well, we're called the Beaver Hunters. Shut up. 
As soon as you said that, my mind went straight to BNS. I've actually never done a BNS ball, but but um, the gigs were very much like that. Yes, I've I've worked I've worked doing audiovisual stuff at BNS balls and band stuff at BNS balls and stuff. We we did one up in Daniloquin once where um, the guys that were we were operating the sound and lighting desk, and these drunken buffoons were trying to request a song and. You know, and at a BNS ball, they're just drinking cans of 4X or Carlton Draft or whatever they got, and they start throwing them at your head if you, they don't uh, get Jeez the response the they want. Ways. And then we had two of them come up because we quite obviously weren't listening to them, and they just grabbed their beers, they just tipped them upside down and poured them all over the lighting desk. And this is like, you know, this is back in early 2000s, and it was like a, a $4,000 lighting desk or something, and it just fizzled and went... And that was it. It was the show was over. We were done. Dude. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they are they are without a doubt. And it's something that's in ingrained in people's heads, I think. If you're going to a BNS ball, you have to act like an absolute buffoon. So this was a BNS and not the Denny Ute Master. Just <laughs> no, <telling>. this is... <laughs> no, I, I feel like people are more well behaved at the Denny Ute Master these days because they're drawing those those bands like your Jimmy Barnes and Hmm. those type of artists they've got to try to to rein in the behavior a bit yeah, although it man. could have been uh the denny ute master where jimmy barnes fell off the stage last year maybe <laughs> god really Only yeah, there, last was some, year. there was some gig that he did and obviously he hadn't been drinking um but he fell off the How stage and, like broke his leg <laughs> or something did you have to borrow dave grohl's throne i <laughs> could <laughs> Speaking of um, of Jimmy Barnes, I don't know if you you guys have had any uh, occasion to see his live streams that he's doing at the moment. I have. I've seen it on Twitter. I think it was weird. Fantastic! It's so cool. Just him and his wife Jane, and they're just like yeah. taking requests, and it's brilliant. And it's just a song at a time, but God, it's good. And man, he can still sing. I don't understand yeah. how, but he, yeah. Mm. But it's great. Like he's he's someone who seems to be really doing it for the right reasons. He's certainly not. Like, yeah, I think he just really enjoys it, and it's it's such a uh, such an off the cuff kind of just cool ass thing for him to be doing. I love it. So I now follow Jimmy Barnes official, which I didn't think I ever would. I wouldn't take you back as stage because I'm intrigued by the BNS ball scene in the Barossa Valley. Could you sustain an entire band's income on the BNS balls in the Barossa Valley? Because I, I think of the Barossa Valley as a reasonably small geographic area, and I wouldn't have thought that heavy with BNS balls. No, but- no, no. So no, it was it was more. No, I've never never done a BNS ball. Never done a um. Never. I've never done any of those. I've done lots of outdoor festivals, and and with that band, you know, for sort of. Four or five thousand people, kind of thing. Um, but the the biggest one of those I can remember on the stage we had was like five meters high. So, you know, um, with that's the a, with the best of intentions, they'd, they'd, if they didn't like what we were doing, they'd be hard pressed to launch a tinny at us. <laughs> <laughs> we um, I had long hair then as well. Like I had hair down, you know, sort of past my shoulder blades, and my hair is really curly. So, uh, by way of explanation, I once, I was, I was with a, I was with a mate of mine at a cafe in, in Norwood Parade in Adelaide and these three little, little girls, like, you know, seven, eight year olds came up and said, can we have your autograph? (laughs) 
to to him and me. So him they thought was Jason Donovan, and me they thought was Cher. Because <laughs> I said, "Who do you think I am?" They said, "Um, Cher." <laughs> I thought you maybe you were going to get Slash or something like that, but I wouldn't have seen Cher coming. No, no, no. Well, neither did I. But anyway, he he signed his name Jason Dolomon. I signed my name Cher. Well, what do I care? Yeah. What do I share? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you've so what... told us about the, the five meter stage there. What's the most impressive stage you've been on, or what's the most you know? What's the most sort of oh. bit bit of you know? We know. I know you're a Kiss fan. You've you know. What's the most theatrical thing you've ever been able to do on a on a stage? What would you like to do? Goodness me. I mean, the, the things that stick in my mind about gigging are, they're often not the, they're not necessarily the kind of the biggest or the most impressive. They're usually the ones that have made me laugh the most. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever, ever seen a film called Billy Madison? No. The Adam, Adam Sandler film? I have to say yes to that, even though I feel like I'm going to get dragged over the coals when people listen to this. You, you will. Living just by me later on. But <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it's um, it's enjoyable, David, and that's <laughs> that's all that a movie has to be. It's, you don't have to think. It's too not deeply. the worst Adam Sandler film that he's done. Oh, it's not the worst Adam Sandler film by, just... by some margin. It's close to it, but it's come not... on. <laughs> I went to see Little Nicky at the movies. Oh. You're that person. <laughs> that, that might be one of the worst films I've ever seen. I would, I would almost guarantee that's one of the worst films I've ever seen. Uh, no, I walked out of um, Steve Martin's reboot of um, The Pink Panther. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, that was intelligence insulting. Um, More than Adam me, Sandler. Oh, I've never seen the remake of The Pink Panther. Oh, it's, it's, it's atrocious. It's one of those things there's certain films you shouldn't remake mm. yeah and i mean of course I, w- I did go into that not not i went into it with all the fond memories of peter sellers being brilliant so and steve martin mm. is brilliant but mm. his, his take on it was just it's a little bit i guess it was maybe a little bit like watching the american version of the office where steve carell's ricky gervais character was actually kind of nasty whereas Ricky Gervais's David Brent was just kind of buffoonish and so I always prefer the American one now particularly the post Steve Carell parts of the series huh yeah right it's grown well, on you, me I, I feel like you now have no good. leg to stand on about Adam Sandler so that's fine <laughs> okay now we've, we've got to get back to Adam Sandler so what's this Billy Madison story all right just <laughs> Trav, well you're done, pretty Travis. good at getting us back on track. It's good. Um, Travis knows how much time we've got left, and he's the one who's, you know, got the virtual 90th to go to later on. So. Ah. Uh, there's a scene in Billy, Billy Madison where uh, they're having a part. So Billy, I'm not going to explain the whole plot, for God's sake. I mean, I could in about 38 seconds flat, but I'm not <laughs> going to. Uh, Billy has to go back to school, and... He's a grown adult. Uh, so he goes back from the very start. He has, to, he has to graduate, but he has to do all the years. So there's a scene where he uh, passes third grade and they're in this beautiful garden, outdoor garden party setting. Uh, and um, 
there's a band and the band plays a song called Billy Past the Third Grade. So, this is another China story. I'm playing in a band in China. We have been invited out of the normal gig we're doing six or sometimes seven nights a week um, for five sets a night, like just madness. And I'd, I'd done 40 or 50 gigs in my life before I got asked to go and join this band and go to China. So that was where I learned everything. It was how I learned to keep my voice and how I learned to to speak to people from different countries and just to like entertain in different languages effectively. Yeah. Um, so we got asked to, to go out of our normal gig and we went to a, uh, it was the launch of a real estate development. And so we were in this expansive, beautifully manicured Donald Trump style golf course garden type thing fountains and marble and all that sort of stuff and uh the very first thing that happened was the bass player whose band it actually was i was working for him at that stage um with no preamble and no introduction except that we were guys in tight black jeans and black t-shirts bass player stepped up to the mic and went billy passed the third grade <laughs> so that sticks with me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's the funny things that tend to stay with me, not the wow, that was that was 10,000 people. That's kind of cool. Eh, whatever. You can see 10,000 people anytime. Yeah, that's it. Now you're living in the past. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you might see 10,000 people again at some point. Maybe. Maybe. So obviously in, in the meantime while we're not seeing 10,000 people, You've gone over to, you know, you're finding ways to sort of, you know, both make a bit of a living, but also share what you enjoy doing. How are the virtual gigs going? And, you know, what's been your experience? How have they changed since the first one you've done? What have you learned through the process? Uh, yeah, they're going well. I I chose to... So on the on the back of the, the conversation we had about favourite venues and why those are my favourites, I chose to do Thursday nights... Friday evenings and Sunday afternoons. They were my three favorite gigs to do. Thursdays and Fridays were at the same venue. They were at the Elephant and Wheelbarrow in the city. And I had a lot of lot of regulars and people who over the course of the last 15 years um, have become my friends. And then those friends have brought new, new people into the mix. and. It, they were always really, really fun gigs to do. And then, of course, there's, you know, the, the, the Sunday afternoon thing, as we spoke about. So uh, a lot of those people still chime in. And, in fact, most of them. So they're certainly fun. I, I'm not... So I, I, I guess I, I, I set myself the task of trying to... <clears throat> normalize as much as possible uh not my experience of gigging but everyone else's experience of coming to hang out with each other and with me while i gigged um and that's that, i don't know oh, gee i hope that doesn't sound kind of martyrish that's not the point of it i just uh, but i'm not i'm not really doing it for me i mean i love singing and so i love doing the gigs and I, i'll do two hours on a thursday and two hours on a friday and three hours on a Sunday. Uh, 
but um, it's certainly, I, I think, I, I think it's because I like the idea of everyone coming together. I don't think it's because I particularly feel like I need an outlet. To be perfectly honest, if I didn't force myself to do pretty well anything I do, I'd happily sit back and do nothing. And I would fucking retire if I could afford to. And if this was to go, this thing that we're all experiencing together now, if this was, well, you know, for a little while, it was like, well, we're going to be locked down for two weeks. And then, well, it'll probably go for a month. And now it's like, fuck, we might actually not get to go back to work until July. God knows if it's going to go beyond that. Um, except for the fact that I now can't earn a living as a professional musician. I don't give a fuck. I, I would happily do nothing. Ever. The caveat to that, though, is that I now spend so much of my day wrestling technology to make these <laughs> gigs that I'm doing look and sound as good as they can. Um, I'm actually still really busy. So there is no point that I'm doing nothing. So I actually, within the bounds of saying, I'd happily do nothing. Um, arguably, I've been busier in the last three or four weeks than I was when I was working because now there's absolutely no delineation between, well, now I'm up. Now I have to work out if this camera is going to talk to this bit of software. No, it's not. Okay. So I download this third party thing. Really? I have to open terminal. Oh, I've actually got to start doing lines of code far out like that. I've got a tiny, tiny pickled muso brain. That's hard work. So of course I still feel like I'd rather do nothing. So, they have gotten better. Like when I started, I had a, uh, um, a Rode external microphone plugged into a lightning adapter into my phone and my phone was going straight to Facebook and the microphone was pointed at a PA speaker because that was the best I could manage at that stage. So I did mm. that. I, did, I think I probably did three or four live gigs like that. And in the midst of doing those, I'm spending the day, um, downloading bits of software that I think are going to do what I need them to do, but then they don't. And that's that whole third party thing. And then on forums, like hours and hours on forums and lovely, friendly people trying to help me. Oh, have you tried? Yeah, I, I, I have. Um, so now I'm running a program called Ecamm, uh, which is great and it's pretty intuitive. And there's still more things I, I want to be able to do to to make it look and sound better. And, um, you know, the perverse paradox there is that most of now going to the next stage of making it look and sound better involves spending money and sometimes quite yeah. a lot of money, um, which is so <sighs> one step forward, two steps back. Um, in, in, a, in a climate where there's actually not very much money to be made. Um, but if, if, if any of us take any pride in what it is that we do, then you want it to be the best it can be. If I was out digging holes, part of, part of what drives me to do anything at all is to, to, I want to dig the best hole I can dig. I want it to have nice straight edges and a flat bottom. Like that's, yeah, you know, and I think, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I get, I feel like, I feel like most of us are driven to do the best we can do in anything. Hmm. So 
Um, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it even matters in the context of this conversation. <laughs> I know, we're going through the same thing. We do our virtual front bar for the for the pub and the podcast on a Thursday night. And I'm now going, well, last week it just kept on running on and on, which is a really good thing. People wanted to hang around. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to have to pay for a proper, proper Zoom subscription so that people don't have to log on every 40 minutes. And so, mm. you know, and normally that'd be, well, the pub will pay for that. But then you suddenly go, well, hang on, David, exactly how much income have you made this week that's going to justify the 200 bucks for the Zoom license for six months? There you go, mate. That's exactly the same, 100%. It's it's not out of any, you know, desire to be cheapskating about it, but it's just like, oh, Jesus, I don't know how many, you know. And what's your motivation for doing it? Oh, well, in some ways, a bit like what you're describing with your gigs, which is that, you know, Thursday night in the front bar at the pub, was obviously an opportunity for a whole lot of people to get together, people who wouldn't get together in normal circumstances. So, you know, they're not they're not all sort of dads from the same, you know, junior footy club or, you know, people who have other sort of links other than that's where they gather on a Thursday night. And so all sorts of different ages, backgrounds, you know, socioeconomic, you know, type demographics for what that's worth, you know, would all come together and all knew each other and would all play pool against each other and whinge and moan about what might happen on that front or whatever else. But, you know, without that space and also for staff and for other people. So that's been the really fun bit about the virtual front bars is that it's genuinely like being in the front bar again. And that there's the, the people who are quite happy to sit quietly and listen to Travis and me yabber on. Um, I don't yabber on. What are you talking about? I yabber on. You make witty, incisive remarks, just like that one. Um, <laughs> but it's um, you know, in the absence of that, you do kind of wonder what what everyone's doing for their social outlets. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I I've certainly seen enough coronavirus-inspired um, parody songs to last a lifetime. Oh, do tell. Oh God, have you not? Have you not seen these, David? There's been quite a few of them. Oh, and they're it... all so funny. Oh, my God. We're all isolated. Yes, we know. Oh, we can't go out. Yeah, I know. Stay the fuck at home. Yeah, I know. I don't need you to tell me. Dude, this is the joy of listening to news radio. You very rarely, you know, on, I've got to say news radio and classic FM, which my nerdy two things I tend to listen to during the day. From what I can tell, you know, none of the Handel brothers ever wrote a, you know, a, a coronavirus isolation, you know, sonata. So, <laughs> I yeah, I had a friend on Facebook that kept uh, posting every time there was a new coronavirus parody song, they'd they'd put it up on their Facebook feed, and it just got to the point where I unfollowed them because I was sick of seeing it. Yeah, like <sighs> we all get it. We all know what's going on. We don't. Uh... In fact, to that end, like I was in the first two weeks, I was very um, across everything that was happening, and I was watching the the press conferences live most of the time. Uh, and if I missed them when they were happening, I was going. I have stopped. I don't. I don't. Because I pretty well I know what's going on. I wake up in the morning. I read the headlines. I I I see that that Australia's done a really good job at. at you know, whatever it is that we're doing and flattening the curve and all those phrases that fuck me, I never want to hear that phrase again. Uh, like just any of it. Any Why of you got a song about it? Dude, you know, yeah, that's the thing. I just, come on, stop now. <laughs> like be, be uh, 
be a, a, a like create something but you know if you just going to use the so, words confinement and isolation in a song then that's that's not it that's not so it. given well, that you're um, given you've been live streaming your shows obviously did you get a glimpse of the uh the one world concert that uh was doing the rounds the other day no so it was um it was the likes of gaga and alton um but the highlight of the entire thing and i it, when we finish this chat guys definitely youtube this was when the rolling stones performed oh wow and they're all in different locations um mick jagger kicks it off and he's in fine form and then keith comes in and he's you know keith yeah and then Ronnie comes in is, and is completely out of tune with the rest of the, the band. Um, and then they've got this weird drum backing track going on. So when they cut into Charlie Watts, he's sitting there playing drums on his couch in a couple of road cases. <laughs> and it, is, um, it, it was the highlight of the entire live stream concert that people did from their living rooms. It was just the best uh, thing ever. And, yeah, well worth and, checking out. And that was the point in this podcast where Travis defined irony. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 16-hour show or something, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Possibly. It was something ridiculous. It was, it was longer was... than WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's get them getting reports. Like, like, you know, you get these, you know like the guardian was sort of running a, a live commentary on it. And it was just like that article seemed to be up for, for days. So interestingly, perhaps I didn't hear a single thing about it. I think I knew something was coming up, but even in the aftermath with, and my, I haven't spent a lot of time on Facebook, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, but most of, well, no, a lot of my friends on there are either musicians or music fans. None of them have commented. I found it quite interesting because you got a good glimpse on, uh, and you were talking about the technology you used before to start your live streams. You could see the difference in the technology that certain artists have got. So when they cut to Delta Goodrum in her living room with her ARIA awards behind her, she was clearly running it off the microphone on her phone kind of scenario. Yeah, right. How did Delta get a gig with... I don't know. Of... Don't. I'm not anti-Delta, but... <laughs> Delta's a great singer. Yes, but she when really, she's she's a world class singer, it it didn't give her her greatest international performance when she was singing into a what sounded like a mobile phone microphone. Yeah, that's I mean that's interesting, isn't it? I mean Delta clearly uh, has international representation. You you would have thought even in this climate, maybe someone would have said to her, "This is not the best idea," but it's going out to forty five billion people. Mm, okay. Mm. Maybe it's not the best idea. <laughs> Actually, I tell you what, Matt. After after I've had about another six beers tonight, I'll send you the link of Keith Urban's performance, and in one of your live streams, I want to see you pull it off. Okay. Oh, is that him from his his home studio, which is yep. like this multi million dollar looking facility, <laughs> with uh, you know arguably one of the hottest women in the world working his his, his guitar tech. She only came <laughs> in at the end of the. End of <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> I like Keith Urban. I, I saw him live for the first time last year. A friend of mine uh, bought me a ticket and insisted I go along because I've uh, I bought I bought the Fuse album, which is probably ten years old now, and thought this is abominable. Like he can sing and goddamn he can play, but mm. um, it doesn't sound. It sounds so sterile and 
and and processed and then I went to see him live and God, he was good. Like really, really good, really mm. entertaining. And the band was shit hot. Like it was just great. And he played maybe five songs off what was then the, the new current album, which I can't remember the name of. Um, songs I'd never heard that were great. Mm. And then, so this friend and I left and her name's Jade. And she said, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Uh, and then the next day she gifted me, iTunes gifted me the album and I listened to the album and the album's just like the other one. It's thin and processed and I'm sure it's a drum machine. I don't think it's a real drummer. Like it just, no, 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 no. So live, I think he's fantastic. And lyrically, you know, says the guy who's had a million number one singles over here. Um, some of the worst lyrics I've ever heard committed to plastic or, or ether. Just <laughs> no good, no good. Anyway. I find that fascinating. I'm sure it's the kind of bloke who I couldn't name you a Keith Urban song, but <laughs> oh, you could same. probably play me five and I'd know all the songs. I just wouldn't know they were him. Yeah, maybe, maybe. He did um, he did a cover of Jeans On by David, like a 70s song, When I Wake Up in the Morning Late. You know the one? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you might have heard it. But it's not really a Keith Urban song then, is it? Yeah, no, I know, but you would have heard that at least. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to help you. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Now, Travis, how are we going for time on your... You, you're the man with the plan tonight. Well, no, in relation to our uh, our clock that's running up in the corner, we're, we're doing okay. Because I had various sort of loopy questions that I've written down here and didn't send through to Matt in advance. But oh, I say, I say do it. Have you got stumpers? Well, I, I hinted at this one the other day. <laughs> I, I reckon even right now I can see, you know, three piercings, but you know. <laughs> okay. How, how many piercings has, you know, Matt Bradshaw had? And, you know, which, uh, which was the first, give us a piece, which, which was the first you had? Because I'm just, what I'm thinking ahead to now is the promo that I'm going to do for you. And, you know, I'm going to say, well, you know, he, you know, to go in your podcast that we should give a plug to. Uh, yes. Do you want to know more about Matt Bradshaw? Do you want to know why he won't sing Snappy Tom? Do you oh, want to yeah, know, 100%. I say do you want to know just... why he got this pierced? I want to come back to the Snappy Tom thing just briefly. I absolutely have sung Snappy Tom, and <laughs> and that you would suggest otherwise to a worldwide listening audience. You I have frankly no, take umbrage at. You wouldn't sing the Henty Field Days theme song, I think, from my youth. I think that's the one you really drew. <laughs> so that. I think there's there's got to be a good reason for that, David. <laughs> you won't play Aerosmith for me. What Aerosmith song? Oh, uh, I think Ragdoll might have been the, one of the ones I requested. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, why, did, why didn't I do that? Cinderella? Oh, yeah, okay. Most that's because of... I'm nobody's fool. Yeah, well played. Thank you. <laughs> now, come on, don't try and sidetrack me from my piercings question here. Oh, okay. I can see what you're doing. Uh, okay, well, um, let, let's run through. How many have you got in your, in your head? How many have you in got? In my head? Uh, nine, I think. That's a lot. Yeah, I guess. I, it's a bit... Um, you know when you live in... So you live in your house. And you are well aware of, you know, you've got to lift that door up a bit because it catches if you don't, you know, just give it a little, it doesn't actually shift on its hinges. It's not loose, but yep. it just needs a little helping hand to get over that little ridge that's happened because there was a water leak, you know, 10 years ago. You know, you've well got to fix it. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
Um, but you don't because you live with it and you do it and it's just part of the thing. Now, if it was time for you to sell your house, that would be something that you would have to fix. So, I've lived with these piercings for a really long time. I don't think about it. I don't, like I don't look at them. Also, I don't look at myself. Like, the, 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 the uh, visage that you present to the world isn't the one that you see yourself. So I, it doesn't, it doesn't, they don't mean anything to me. Um, but if I was to present myself to a nine to five uh, office job, maybe I would consider taking them out. I'm obviously never going to do that. But imagine I was going to. Imagine I was going to sell my house. I would mm. present it in a different light. So I, did, I don't know. The, when the did first, you get your first one? Uh, I was, I think I was probably on my way to my year 12 exams. I think I... So you could have spent a bit of time just doing that last little bit of study? Could have. I got a job on the way to my year 12 exams too. I, I wandered into the supermarket around the corner from where I was living and uh, and um, they offered me a job. And I said, well, I'll, I'll finish my exams and then I'll I'll come back and... Oh man, that never happened on the way to my year 12 exams. No, it's pretty handy actually. So I I, I, I worked I worked there for a good long time actually and until I... Um, I... Uh, 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 what, what's the thing? What's the word? Uh, pr I promoted myself. I one day I, I went in with um, I went to a local badge uh, name tag making place and I made myself a badge that said assistant manager. Um, <laughs> and I just went in one day wearing it, and from that point I was the assistant manager. It was a big pay increase, or there was no pay increase. Yeah, yeah. no, and I still had to work the checkout. <laughs> That's fine. It's all right. Ah. Uh, so a, a couple of them I did, a couple I did myself. One of them is quite crooked, like it's it's at the right place at the front, but clearly when I've gone to drive the 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 nail or whatever I used through it, um, it hasn't come out parallel to the other one. So it's crooked at the back, but no one ever sees the back of my ears. Why would you want to? Um, the first that was after how many drinks? Ah, uh, no, I probably that was probably in a non-drinking phase that was like that was before that was probably before i started actually being a drinker per se uh no i just uh, i guess i just started a, a music career at that point and it felt like you know i mean i had long hair so why not get a few more piercings i don't know i don't know this is a bit like my, my favorite ever line out of any musical biography which i may have shared with you before was about ozzy osbourne which was about which the sentence i think read something like at the age of 14, John Osborne decided he wanted to be a lead singer for a band, so he went and got his knees tattooed. <laughs> Which just sums up everything about Ozzy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> wow. Ah, the joy of heroin. Um, <laughs> I, uh, the, first, the first eyebrow piercing I got, I, um, I passed out, and I, I, was, I was a bit piercy when I got that done, so that probably didn't help. Um, but I think it was the place I got it done as well. I was on the Gold Coast on holidays with my girlfriend. And uh, we, we went upstairs to off your tree. And, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So she put it through and she said, you're right, mate. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. And then he, like the tunnel vision thing. I don't know if yeah, I've heard you guys have I've had fainted. that. I understand. Yep. Yeah. It's like, okay. I'll just, um, 
No, put your head forward. Okay, I'll put my head forward. No, that's not any better. Okay. <laughs> Lean back against the wall. Okay, no, that's... Oh, this is... This is a... This is bad, like, cold and clammy. And uh, and I just... I put my head down on her lap. And I, I just... I went to sleep for about 15 seconds. Um, and I, I bled on her jeans. And then I, I woke up and she gave me a... The girl gave me um a cup of undiluted red cordial to drink. Just blood sugar, back yep. up, everything. Yep, and then I was fine. Uh, but the second one, I got done at a, a highfalutin place in Chapel Street, and uh, that was that was sweet as man. So no cordial, no cordial needed. Ah, perfect. <laughs> also, not drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? It's when you don't have a control for these experiments, it makes it very difficult to know what the defining factor is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Is that enough? I did have my I reckon belly... that... No, I'm going to tell you one more. I had my belly button pierced. I know. I was wondering if there were any more we didn't know about. It was... I'm not going to tell you about any more. The ones I'll tell you about that see. one because... only because there's a story attached to it, uh, even though I am no longer attached to it. Um, again, in China, again, it's all part of the show. I was... I suspect we were performing Barbie Girl, but I don't know if that's true. But let's say we were. Um, I was... Uh, Fake... You guys know what fold-back wedges are, so but they're for everyone else. I they're the, they're the sorry. I do. Yes, they're they're the um the the black boxes that you see that are facing back at the people on stage. Uh, they've got speakers in them. That's how we hear what we're doing. Um, I was uh, bent over one of those, and the keyboard player in the band had um removed my belt, and was um uh, whip, whipping me with it <laughs> simulated is this, a, is this in your time as a ramstein cover band yeah or? anyway <laughs> so it was on stage this wasn't <laughs> this wasn't like this wasn't in the band room uh and when i went to get up from this the belly button ring had caught in the grill of the speaker oh <laughs> so that's how i don't have a belly button ring oh do you still have a belly button there's a scar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, we can't finish on that. Quick, quick. I was gonna say, get... I'm just not sure where to go after that. Someone get us back to, to normalcy. You were the one that asked about piercings. I didn't want to bring it up. I'm just imagining the grill of the front of a fallback wedge because I've seen a few of them in my time and thinking, oh, that's... Uh... No good. It, it just, it didn't come all the way out. It, it tore... <laughs> and um, and so I kept it in, and I thought, like you know, like the, the it's still good, it's still good. Thank you. I was going to say the Homer Simpson, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but um, over the course of the next three days, it, it changed colour, and it was it was perpetually sweaty. It just it wasn't it wasn't good. So I took it out, and within two days, it was healed. But yeah, nah. But also, for, you know, boys, belly button ring. It was a different time. We didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was February. <laughs> I didn't come here for this. <laughs> I worked with a band once where uh, the lead singer decided he wanted to stage dive off the stage into the crowd, but uh, it turned out the crowd couldn't hold his weight and he face-planted the floor and broke his nose and knocked two teeth out. Damn! Yep. <laughs> Needless to say, it was only like an hour into the gig, and that was the end of the gig. Oh, it was, uh, <laughs> it was... Talk about year 12 exams. The night before my, I think it was my year 12 maths exam, I went to see No More Chili Jam, who you may or may not recall, God. in uh, at a nightclub in Bendigo. And someone, there was only 
15 of us or 20 of us at the, at the place. No, well, you all had and, exams the next day. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Everyone else was in Medney was being entirely sensible. Yeah. And someone went to jump off the speakers, not one of the band, but like a punter. And everyone else just literally just cleared out of the way because there was no way that they were going to catch them. And that exactly what you're describing. And I was like, oh, maybe I will go home early after all. (laughs) Oh, that's a bad story. (laughs) Yeah, I can distinctly remember it. It was one of those wonderful events that, uh, you know, happens in slow motion. So it's, you could see it happening from the back of the room where I was operating in the lighting desk and you knew it was going to happen. You knew something bad was about to take place. No. And sure enough, it did. Yep. Oh, God. Needless to say, this, this guy still does gigs to this day in that same pub in Shepparton and does them kind of bi-weekly. Um, he's never jumped off the stage again, to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> he treads very carefully with his own stepladder he brings. <laughs> <laughs> to every performance. Yeah, Mr. OHS, heck to the safety cattle. <laughs> you know, I have his vest he performs these days. <laughs> is that a happier note for us to finish up on? I That's feel much like better. I think if we talk about OHS, it feels injured. like the right thing to do in this current climate. Yeah. Matty, why don't you give us all of your socials again and how to track down your gigs and... Um, you know, needless to say, I'm a big fan. So for everyone who's sitting at home on Thursday, Friday or Sunday afternoons and needs a bit of entertainment, needs to feel like they're at a, a gig, get yourselves a couple of beers, settle in and type into your Google machine. At Matty B Bradshaw. M-A-T-T-Y-B Bradshaw. And you'll almost certainly find me that way. <laughs> Do that. Say that you listen to the podcast, request the Snappy Tom song, and hopefully we'll just have, you know, 50, 60, 100 people all requesting it. Oh, please do. I mean, particularly the Sunday afternoons, um, <clears throat> given the time slot and just and the gig that it is effectively replacing, there's, you know, anything between 80 and 130 people who are all there together, apart, kind of sharing the same experience and, and writing their comments in and having their own side conversations. And I just, I watch it all unfold in front of me and it's actually pretty tremendous. Hmm. Um, it's also, I mean, it has also given me the opportunity to, to do some more of my original stuff, which within the constraints hmm. of a, a gig where I'm getting paid by a venue owner, um, always feels a little bit disingenuous to me. Um, and, and certainly a venue like the Duda Gala, it, it was never, it was never frowned upon. Um, but it felt, I don't know, maybe self-indulgent, maybe. But um, I would play them at the Duke if somebody asked me to, because, you know, a lot of friends would come. Play synesthesia! <laughs> oh, wow, look at you. Huh? Wow. Um, yeah, so that's kind of cool, too. Um, so I've been writing some more. I was working on a song today, actually, recording it. So I'll, uh, I'll try and get that out in the next... Mm, if I stop asking about with it, I'll try and get it out in the next 24 hours. That'd be something to look forward to. Yeah, and... Um, your podcast, I think we're going to have some ads for your podcast on our podcast in coming weeks. But... As soon as I record one, yes. <laughs> Don't worry about that song thing. Why haven't you done your buddy ad to put on the courtroom? <laughs> What's the name of your podcast? You and Dom do it. Where, how do we track that one down? The Two Ring Circus Show. We are, you can find us, we have a Facebook page, Two Ring Circus. But as far as the other things go, if you go to Spotify, type in The Touring Circus Show. If you go to iTunes, type in The Touring Circus Show. That's what we call ourselves. So iTunes, Spotify, um, where do we actually host it? Podbean, 
but yeah, the Touring Circus Show is how you find us. And it's my best mate, Dom and I. We've been best mates now for close on 20 years. Uh, he's a tremendous songwriter. Uh, you can find him at Dom Italiano Music, and I do suggest you do. Uh, new album he, out last year for him or early yeah, this year? Yeah, and new single, uh, new album coming out very soon, new single coming out on May the 8th, which uh, is a song called The Arsonist, which is one of my favourite songs of his that he's ever done. Um, he's currently doing, uh, he's writing a song a week this year. Mm. So 52 songs We're the busiest year. man in music. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so he's, he's doing that um, pretty well twice a day, every day. 8am and 8pm uh, giving us all the reason to get up in the morning which is why I'm usually up so early I, I wake up and watch him in bed for an hour before I um, watch his podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> 150 episodes of your podcast racked up the other day which is a huge achievement I don't think yeah, people talk so about no actually we we're ah oh, yes because we initially started out doing the podcast it was going to be um, we were going to do music stuff as well as just chatting to each other about whatever came across our path. So effectively, we've actually done, we recorded our 146th speaking episode today. I think there's four or five, there must be four, um, music clips that we kind of did, but that fell by the wayside pretty swiftly because we were working eight times a week. <laughs> I'll do it. You know, so, uh, so why, don't, why don't you do Castle on the Hill? Okay, I'm on my way. No, thank you. It's fine. <laughs> Um, so, check those out, rate please. and review them, and uh, you know, make sure you follow Matty on all of his social medias. Do the same for the call room. We love it when you rate and review those, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and share all of those uh, with your friends so that they've got something to entertain themselves with during the lockdown. Um, gentlemen, I reckon we'll sign off and and say good evening. Matty, return to the wilds of Frankston and your carefully manicured lawns. If um, you know, if anyone wants to meet Matt in the flesh, drive around Frankston and find the one with the manicured lawns, and you'll um, you'll know that that's his house. So you must rough. have the best lawn in Frankston. So rough, you are. <laughs> it's all part of the show. Uh, David Travis, thank you so much, mate. I've I've really enjoyed this, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. You've been good fun, and um, hopefully we can get you and Dom on one night, and we can um, we can do a tag team podcast mashup thing. We're both up for it, mate. Yep, perfect. Excellent. Well, good night, gentlemen. Good on you guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks, folks. Hey there, call room listeners. We've got a little ad for you. No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors, or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30-second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30-second ad for The Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours, so if you've got something to share, drop us a line via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right. Head over.